The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. I want you to, or you can call us too at 1-800-919-3776. I want you to share, I want you to tell us about your mom, mother figure, grandmother, great aunt, whoever, whoever, whatever category you choose. I want you to tell us about them. How, is it something they said to you that you will never forget the best piece of advice, the best meal, uh, an interesting moment, a funny moment? I want you to share your mother figure with us today to salute. And here's what you do. Here's Now, here's what I want you to do before you do that. I want you to download the new ESPN New York app, okay? And so this way, you don't know about the new ESPN app? What are you talking about? How could you not know? You mean you really don't? I mean, you guys are not, you're, you're really, you're really not joking? You don't know about the new ESPN app? The ESPN New York app? Where you get all your favorite 98.7 radio shows and play-by-play streaming live? Catch up on what you might have missed, you know, with Rothenberg and DiPietro and Michael K. Show, Greeny, ENN, more, you know, all the great all the great podcasts we have. I know you've been looking at those this weekend, like Flight Deck with Rich Samini talking about the Jets OTAs and Breaking Big Blue with Jordan Runon, Game Misconduct, Caught Offside. Yeah, the all-new ESPN New York app is available at the App Store and Google Play. And so this way, download it so they can hear what you're saying when you hit the Listen Live. So I'm working for you. I am working for you. I want you to, I want them to know, because sometimes, look, let's be honest. We don't always say what we're supposed to say. (laughs) Come on. You know it. There's times when we don't say what we're supposed to be saying. So here's your opportunity to do that with us. Once again, you can hit us up on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. And of course, at 1-800-919-3776. Couple of things for you. At 1 o'clock, we'll be joined by SNY's Ian Begley. He's their basketball insider. We'll talk a little Knicks. We'll talk a little Nets. We'll get some over thoughts about the NBA playoffs as well. And so we'll do that with him. And, of course, we'll keep on some baseball. Hey, guess what? Baseball today, it's back. <laughs> it's back locally. Can I tell you something? As a Met fan, how brutal would it have been if you didn't win that game in Philly and you haven't played in two days and you would still be lamenting that loss? How, but on the other side, how about Philly? They've been waiting to get back on the field to try to get that bad taste out of their mouth for days. Haven't been back. So at the bottom of the hour, they are scheduled to try to get a doubleheader in. Max Scherzer will start the first game for the Mets. Scheduled to at 12.30. And then, of course, the Yankees are back in action as well, and they're going to get underway at 1.30. And they also have a doubleheader. So we'll keep you updated on the scores of those doubleheaders. But I kind of want, and we'll talk a little baseball, but first I just want to get your thoughts from the Ranger fans. Talk to me. 1-800-919-3776. We have talked a lot about how great Igor Shosturkin has been. We have talked a lot about what he has brought to the table, how he has stood on his head, how he has done a tremendous job in covering for some of the mistakes by this young Rangers team, especially around the net. And you and I will agree he has been fantastic. He has been unbelievable. He's a Vesna Trophy candidate and by all accounts is going to run away with it as the best goalie, the best goalie 
in the National Hockey League. That's the way he's played this year. That's what he deserves. Everybody has a bad game. Everybody has a bad game. His was yesterday. He surrendered four goals in the first period to the Pens. They now lead 2-1. Shesterkin pulled after the first period, being down 4-1. And the Rangers came back. Okay, so they tied it 4-4. Okay, they tie it at 4-4. And Louis Domingue, because we can't say, if you listen to the case, we can't say Domingue. We have to say his whole name. So Louis Domingue was in goal again for Pittsburgh and uh, ends up with the win. How do you feel right now about this series? Are you concerned? Are you a little, are you uneasy? Does the fact that even though Shesterkin got off to the slow start, the fact that you were able to come back and tie the game, does that give you a little better feeling, a little more confidence that you can bounce back in game four that you'll hear right here on 98.7 ESPN and all the ESPN New York app? Does that, how do you feel? What do you, what's going through your mind right now? You had a couple of hours to digest it. You've slept on it. Maybe you haven't slept. <laughs> I don't know. But just give me your thoughts as you look into game four. Okay. 1-800-919-3776. To get your, your mind going, let's go back to uh, head coach Gerard uh, Gallant's post-game press conference. I'm just going to give you a little bit of it just to get your thought, just to get how he felt about how the game was and to get your thoughts as well. Here's the head coach of the Rangers. Yeah, obviously a slow start to the game, and we knew they were going to come out. I mean, we came out of their building real hard in the first period, and they did the same tonight, but they kept it going for the first, the full 20 minutes, and, you know, we got behind, obviously, and had a lot of trouble, so I'm proud of my team. We bounced back, and we played hard the rest of the game, and it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, that's the way she goes, and we'll get back at them again next game. I have no idea. It's <laughs> stuff happens. You prepare the same way. You get them ready to play the same way. And like I said, the f- the fans definitely help in every building. So it was no different than what it was in our building in the first games. You know, we had a great start to the game. We had great forechecking, and you know they got a couple of fortunate bounces. You know, they played well. They dominated the first, but after that, uh, I thought we played really well. First period. After that, I think we were the. I mean, you, you watch the game. I mean, that power play. We had great saves, and you got to give Louis Domingue credit. When it was four four, he made two or three great saves in our power play. So, you know, that was a big part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you look at it and you say, you know, I mean. Again, two of them were lucky bounces, and, you know, it's 4-1. You want to change momentum a little bit sometimes, and Igor has been outstanding. And really, you look at it right now, and he's played 10 periods in the last basically four, four and a half days, five days, whatever it is. So I thought it was a good time to, you know, jumpstart it. And fortunately for us, we battled back in the second and tied it up. And unfortunately, in the third, they got a goal. So, But I, I, I like the way our team didn't quit. That was proud, proud of them for that, and we'll be ready to go next game. It was just man up, you know. It's it's uh, you know they're they're a good team. We're playing over there, but there's no difference. The, the ranks are the, the same length. The same, you know you got to go play the game and let's man up and be men about this. And uh, we're not going to die. We're not going to sit that back and let them continue to play like that against us. And you know we came out and we caught them pretty good and uh, we battled back in that hockey game. If I'm a 
part of the motivation for going to Georgia was switching momentum, but also maybe to get Igor off, like, off his feet for a little bit and give him a little more rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's 4-1. It was totally tilted. And sometimes you spark your team with a goalie change. Igor has been our MVP all season, as everybody knows, and, and in the playoffs. So I thought we'd give him a little rest tonight and uh, hopefully spark our team. And it worked, you know. There's no question about it. And, and, here, and here's where I'll agree with the Rangers head coach. This guy made, what, 79 saves in game one? 79? The triple overtime game? Got off to the slow start. Might have been fatigued. Okay? You, you made the move. It was the right move because the team came back. It's just unfortunate that you couldn't hold on and steal a win. How great would, of a win would that have been? You're down four love, down four one, you come back and tie it at 4-4. How do you feel, Ranger fans, going into game four? 1-800-919-3776. Also, for my Met and Yankee fans, what's the biggest surprise so far of how successful these teams have been? We talk a lot about, and for me, I'll tell you easily, for me and the Mets, it's the starting pitching. I, I expected the starting pitching to be pretty good, but what McGill has done, in for Jacob DeGrom has been amazing. Okay. What Carrasco has been, has been surprising. So for me, the starting rotation, I knew they would hit with the lineup they had. For me, the starting rotation has been the, the big surprise. For the Yankee fans, uh, I want to hear what it is for you. Looking at it from the outside, it's been your bullpen. Your bullpen has been outstanding, starring Michael King. Unbelievable. lot to do on the table. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on Mother's Day on 98.7 ESPN New York. I'm telling you, and, and I was just talking to Will the Thrill about this during the break. I believe, and this is just, just, just based on things I've seen over my years covering sports, is the fact that Louis Domingue, once again, I can't say his last name, the fact that Louis Domingue, the third-string goalkeeper, is in goal, I think it's made Pittsburgh focus more. I think they realize his limitations. They Listen, they pra- they know better than we do. They see him every day. <laughs> they see him in practice all the time. They know. And so they're more focused. They know they have to play better. They know they have to limit their mistakes even more so. It's a veteran club. I don't know. I think it would have been different if the, if the second-string guy is still there. I don't know. Just, just, just my way of thinking. But nevertheless, Domingue is in goal, and – for game four, the Rangers have to find a way to beat them. Okay, you cannot come go down three one, and then put yourself into a position where you have to win all of them. No margin for error. Can't do it. You got to even this series. You got to even this series at two two. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Spike is in St. Petersburg. He starts us off. Hey, Spike, happy Mother's Day. Well, first of all, a happy Mother's Day to Jeanette and all the mothers out there. And you made a remark about any good piece of advice, I believe. Yes. And I'll never, I'll never forget when I was a young lad mm-hmm. centuries ago. My mother always said, did one thing that resonates every day. She looked at me and said, just remember one thing. Do something nice for someone else every day. And to the best of my ability, I've always tried to uh, uh, adhere to that. And I don't think you can go wrong with that. So 
So all the mothers put up with us gentlemen, so to speak, mm-hmm. watching all these sporting events and going, could you wait two more minutes? Two more minutes. <laughs> if there's any more big plays, there won't be anything called the big play. But anyway, all, all, sincerely, everybody have a great day. If you have your blessed to have your mother around, and uh, it's just just a wonderful day. I know some people think it's created by Hallmark, but every day should be Mother's Day. Absolutely. So let me get to the uh, Ranger thing real quick. I'm not a big hockey fan, but I watch playoffs. I think the goalkeeper has put in, I don't know what the number is, Larry, but he's probably played three games worth of minutes in 48 hours, something mm-hmm. like that. Am I right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. We got two double headers. If it's Mother's Day, figure something out. You got DVRs. You just figure it out and make sure you give the proper people the proper amount of time. They, they all deserve it. I got a question because it's me on basketball yesterday. Sure. Mm-hmm. I can't figure this out. I know betting's legal in most places. I don't understand. You know, I've been on the box and I say it every time. How can they still be the third betting choice to win the East? Boston and uh, Miami are still lower odds to win the East than Milwaukee. That one, when I finish yapping here, you have to try to explain to me, but I don't think there's an explanation. And Marcus Smart was not in the act of shooting uh, but the execution of that missed free throw Perfect. reminded me, I don't know if it'll remind you of it, but remember when San Antonio, uh, people were leaving Miami in that game, they left the arena, yeah. and he sat down Tim Duncan, <laughs> right, and, and, and they couldn't get the rebound, and Ray, Ray Allen got back and made the, the three, and then they tried to get back in. It took them a whole year to recover from that. Yep. I, yep. see the, I don't know if you see the similarity there. Do you? I do. Yeah, I do. Very similar. Very similar. It's a good point, Spike. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Enjoy. You and your wife enjoy Mother's Day. It is very similar. It's very, very similar. And um, I think the reason that people don't believe it is because from Boston, it's the way Boston handled Brooklyn. They just dismantled them. I don't think, and, and I can say this personally, I had never seen Kevin Durant handled like that in that series. The physical nature, the fact that his jump shot was blocked a couple of times, and there may have been mitigating factors, the fatigue, the amount of minutes played, so on and so forth, I'm sure. But I just think the way Boston performed in that series following how well they had played as arguably one of the top three or four teams in the league since the All-Star break just has given people the fact that you know what? They're a really good team. That's one. That describes Boston. For Miami, it's it's the reputation and it's Eric Spolstra, who has a reputation of and they're a very good defensive club. They're a team that plays you physical. They're a team that plays extremely well defensively, as I mentioned. They're always prepared. But the the Achilles heel for them, and I think a little bit for Boston as well is that they tend to go on stretches where they simply do not score. Okay? And in the playoffs, that can be deadly. Look at what happened to Memphis last night. I mean, they were up 13, 12 or 13 in that game. They went through a little stretch where they didn't score, and before you know it, Golden State's got a lead. And then you cut it back, and then you go on the slump again, and Golden State's run 12-0, 14-2, whatever it is, and before you know it, you're down 20. 
Explosive teams offensively in the playoffs are dangerous. They will end a game for you quickly. And I think more so Miami than Boston, but both of those teams go through stretches where they just can't score bucket. Milwaukee doesn't have that problem as much because they have guys who can score at all times on the floor. So I understand why Spike likes Milwaukee. I like Milwaukee too, but I must say to you, I must say to you, I think Boston is going to give Milwaukee a really tough way to go. I do. And that game yesterday was a close one. And Boston could have stolen that one. And the fact that they were able to hang close, that's a good sign for them. That's a good sign for them. George is in the Bronx. He's next on 987 ESPN. Hey, George. Yo, what's up? How you doing? All right, Larry, Larry, you remember me? George on Pierre, Pierre 65. I no way. 65. No way. <laughs> wow. Yo, I've been meaning to call you every time I hear you, right? But today I get in the car, and it's you on the phone, and when I heard you, my mind directly went to Mrs. Jackson, man. Oh, man. And your mom as well, Mrs. Umpieri. Yeah, she, 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 yeah man, she, she's still up, man. She's still up. You know what I mean? She's still fighting, man. That's great. That's great, man. George oh, and yo, I played well, in I, the – George and I went to – wow. PS65 in the Bronx. George and I yeah, went to IS155. We were in the band together. That's right. <laughs> so, yes, I do remember you. <laughs> yo, What's up, fan, my friend? Yo, a Jeff fan. I'm a Cowboy fan. I'm a Nick fan. Well, I'm a Nick fan, too. I, 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 I'm a little puzzled as to why you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, but that's okay. I won't hold it against you. As a matter of fact, you put me on to him. You put me on to him. You fell in love with this guy called Calvin Hill. You know what I mean? He's hurdling and all that. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Me, and then I went on TV and started watching this guy. I fell in love with him. Yeah. Dwayne Thomas, yeah. and I've never gave, give, given back up. We're talking 1971, homie. Yes, we are. And then I jumped off that bandwagon and got on the Pittsburgh Steeler bandwagon. Wow, so you've been all over the league. So I've been all over. And, and then when I started covering football, uh, I jumped off the bandwagon, period. So I, when I started covering it and being embedded with the Jets as I was for so many years, I just stopped. I didn't have a team. So I put all my fandom away uh, and just focused in on covering the team. And I haven't picked a football team up yet because I feel fraudulent. Just picking up a team now. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. So I, just, I don't root for any NFL I'm so NFL proud team. of you, bro. I'm so <laughs> proud of you, man. It's great to hear your voice, my friend. It's great to well, hear The last time I saw you, you was in South Bunk High School. You had gone to see Mama, my mama. Yeah, and I ran yeah. into you there. That's right. That's I'm right. just wow. happy to see you hear from you, my brother. Your mom had the, and on Mother's Day too, please, please, if she remembers so you, me, please you, pass you know on what my, I remember? my Mother's Day. She had the best smile in the world. She was oh, Even when she was mad, she was smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, I, remember, I remember your mom's picking me up, taking mm-hmm. me to your house. And yeah. explaining to me back in the 60s the things that I, we're going through right now in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it, it, I mean, and I, I remember those days, man. I, yo, it's, it's insane, but that's where we at, my brother. That's yo, Larry, it's been nice talking to you, my brother. Same here, my friend. Same here. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Thank right, you, Matt, 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 yo, Matt. I'll give your producer my number if I could. Yeah, please right. do. Please do. Yeah, put him on hold, guys. I need to re, re- in touch with my, with my childhood friend. Uh, George Ampieri of the South Bronx. Wow. Crazy. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll continue to take your phone calls. want to hear from the baseball fans. I want to talk to you before the game starts because I know once the game starts, I'm going to lose you because you got to, you're probably going to be doing 
similar to what I'm going to be doing after I leave the airwaves today. And that is, I'm going to be cooking Mother's Day dinner. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna share you, I'm gonna share with you what that is, give you some tips. And once again, I'm still waiting to hear from you on your mom, mother figure, whatever, whatever category you want to put, great aunt, whoever it was that, that had an influence on your life, I want you to share that with us today. At Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN and the all new ESPN New York. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN, Mother's Day edition. Thank you for stopping by. I know you folks are busy. Either you're headed to mom's house, you're in the kitchen, you're doing some stuff, you're trying to balance baseball and mom, and it's it's always, listen, it's 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 always tricky, right? It's always tricky on this special day. So to all the moms out there and all the folks who were a mom-like influence, thank you for all you've all you've done and, and what you do. Grandmas and great-grandmas, all you guys, we, we thank you. Godmothers, every, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, because I'm working today to be with you, which I love doing because I love talking to you guys. My wife, instead of us going out, has suggested that I get in the kitchen. So I will be putting on my chef's hat. Thomas Wise will shaking his head. Does he think I can't cook? Is that what it is? Is that why Will's shaking his head like that? Of course not, Larry. I would oh. never shake my head at that. Okay. <laughs> As what are you laughs, cooking today? What are you cooking he was shaking today? his head. After, after he stopped shaking his head and then decided I would never shake my head like that. <laughs> um, well, actually, my wife gave me a menu, which makes life very easy. So Larry will be in the kitchen today. Um, probably right right after the show, just before the Met post game, with hopefully a win in the first game against Philadelphia, where Max Scherzer has just been unbelievable and continues to have his perfect four no record. Larry will be fixing uh, salmon in a chili in a chili sauce, spicy chili sauce, whipping up some mashed potatoes, a little broccoli, and for dessert, she has requested tiramisu. Now, for the record, Larry is not fixing the tiramisu. Larry is a smart guy. Larry knows his boundaries. Larry knows his lane. Me fixing tiramisu would be like Elaine on Seinfeld dancing. We don't want that for Mother's Day. It's not, it's not the way to go. Dessert, eh, not one of Larry's strong suits. Entrees, pretty good. Breakfast, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. Dessert, eh, not great. So... Knowing my, knowing my lane, knowing what I'm supposed to do, knowing it's going to be the best it can be, that's what I'm doing. So I, am, I will be putting on the chef's hat in the kitchen today. And um, with my eye on <laughs> Mets Phillies, with my eye on Yankees, with my eye on a little NBA action, you know, very curious to see Yankees and Rangers. Have not seen the Rangers this year yet. So, uh, you know, want to see what's happening there. Rangers have won four straight games. Um, so we'll see. Even though they're, like, what, fourth place in the AL West and the Yankees have been just lights out. And I was very interested to see the Yankees have uh, a missing a player today. And this is, this is a guy who has been, okay, for me, he has been probably one of the really, I was talking about surprises for the Yankees. For me, and that was how great the starting pitching has been. 
But I'm going to tell you probably an overall surprise for me has been that because of the inconsistencies of offense at the bottom of the order, how the Yankees have kind of done a little, I'm not going to say small ball because that would, you know, that's not really, that's not a Yankee thing. But they've been doing, they've been putting some guys in motion. They've been stealing some bases. And that number one guy, Tim LaCastro, is on the 10-day IL with the left lat latissimus dorsi strain. Wow. That sounds serious. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it sounds serious. So that's going to take away a little bit from their speed. I, although IKF can, has got low speed, but LaCastro has really added another dimension to this team. And when you look at this Yankee team overall, and, and I think Esteban Floreal is going to be back as the 27th man today. Can he, can he stay? Like, what, is, what does he have to do? Why is it he's in the mix because he's the guy that keeps shuttling back and forth? I mean, Yankee fans will know, the older Yankee fans will remember the Columbus shuttle that the late George Steinbrenner used to have. The guy was good, okay, you bring him up. If he was no good, put him back down. Yankee shuttle, whoop, 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 the Columbus shuttle. That's when their minor league team was in Columbus. And they would just bring him back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And Floreal is that guy. But uh, to get back to what I was saying, the thing that I really like about LaCastro and, and the lower part of that order is the fact that the Yankees now have become a team that in certain situations – and certain parts of the order can manufacture runs, okay, and put at least now runners on base as that lineup cycles back to the top of the order, where you've got LeMahieu who's been hitting, where you've got Judge who's hitting very well, all right, where you've got the Rizzo who's had a, has a really had a really good start to the season. Stanton started hot, has leveled off somewhat, but at least you've got guys who have made contact. At least you've got guys who are you know, who are doing something and and putting them in the position where you can get some runs. And so I like that aspect of the Yankees lineup, looking at it from the outside, because how often, and I've taken a lot of calls here, uh, from hearing from Yankee fans who are complaining about just how weak this offense is and how they're not happy with this offense and how the offense is just home run and how they don't do anything, you know, they don't score in the postseason with better pitching. <clears throat> And I think when you look at teams that have been successful, you look at what the Red Sox have been able to do when they won the World Series. You look at what, aside from Apple phones and banging drums like Houston. But even Houston, Atlanta to a certain extent, um, Tampa Bay, Boston, these are teams, and we'll put the Dodgers aside because as much money as they put into their franchise, they'll be able to do any kind of, of play. And the Giants even last year. These teams have been able to beat you in multiple ways. Teams that are successful, okay, especially during the postseason and during the regular season to get themselves to either winning their division or being the second team in their division, not the lower wild cards as so much, but really the top two teams in your division. These are teams that are able to beat you multiple ways. These are teams that are able to, yeah, they can get the home run, but also they can hit and run. They can do some other things. They can manufacture runs. They can have runners on third with less than two out where they can get a run in, even on a mistake, even on a wild pitch. There's pressure when you have a runner on third base and you've got a sinker ball pitcher in the game. He knows, hey, guess what? If I bounce this, this game could be tied or I put them back in the game. 
So by having some, some personnel that allows you to put yourself in that position, okay, that, that's a major thing. That gives you some versatility. And we could argue and discuss it, but there hasn't been a lot of Yankee athleticism in the lineup per se consistently where you could be able to do that. It's really been like lumbering power guys. That's what it's been. I mean, it's like, you know, they manufacture the guys. <laughs> the image would be with the home run of the Bronx Bombers, the guys with one hand with a big, you know, one hand with their, their baseball bat in there. And they come up there and they just they got muscles all over the place and they swing the ball, they hit it, and it travels 750 feet with an exit below of 200 miles an hour. And that's the mental image you've had of, of the Yankees. But now with this added addition of having some athleticism and having some ability to be a little versatile in their lineup, it's made a difference. It's also helped them defensively. And they're not running the bases as bad as they did last year. And they've stayed out some double plays as much as they did last year. So there's been a lot of positive things for the Yankees that have gone on. And right now, I think if there was a disappointment for you as a Yankee fan, it would probably be Garrett Cole. But I think over his last start, I think you started to see the real Garrett Cole. And if he gets rolling, then the way the rest of the starting rotation has been, Nestor Cortez has been fabulous. Uh, Vizcaino's been, um, Severino's been fabulous. Uh, There's been a number of, you know, and we mentioned Michael King all the time out of the bullpen. Holmes out of the bullpen's been great. So, you know, the pitching's been great. The pitching has not been the problem for the Yankees at all. Not at all. A little disappointed in Cole, but everybody else has done fine. And now Cole's coming to the party. That's going to make them <laughs> very tough. Very tough. Jim's in Bayside. Hey, Jim, you're next on 98.7 ESPN. Taking the Jim, call. Love your show. Thanks, um, Jim. I just wanted to, um, you mentioned about Mother's Day. My mother passed a number of years ago, but I just wanted to mention that um, she was a huge Knicks fan. Mm. And... I wanted to get your take on, I mean, we were fans in the 70s and 90s because I'm a little older, but uh, mm-hmm. but in the 90s team, we loved, she loved Charles Oakley. <laughs> and I think ever since that team, there's a whole bunch of us, like my friends and family, Knicks fans, just waiting for another team to, to come up and have that kind of presence. And I know the game has changed a lot, but I wanted to get yeah. your take on, the current team, I mean, a few years ago, they said they, they got to get it right in the draft. They have to, you know, they have to do things right. But I, I still have so many questions about, I mean, what do you think of the Knicks, their draft picks or, or their, their ability to select players? Um, I mean, I have this feeling that Thibodeau, um, if he had five roses, he'd play them all, not the other guys. So, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like yeah, the the, the thing that really distinguished the team last year was a guy that he got from, from his old regime, you know? Yeah. And without Rose, look at them, you know? So yeah. I just want to see what you thought in that direction overall. All right, Jim. Thank, thanks for your memories, and, and uh, um, sorry for your loss of your mom. But, you know, the Knicks are a fascinating story. And I tell you what, we'll step away, and I'll come back, and I'll give you my thoughts on the Knicks. And, by the way, we'll really get in deep with the Knicks, Jim, because Ian Begley of SNY will join me at the top of the album and we'll explore some of the things that they may be doing or hopefully they will be doing draft-wise and everything else. But I'll give you my initial thoughts next. All right, Begs, here we go. Knicks, 
Very concerned about the Knicks. Um, last year, I don't. Last year, I thought I was looking forward to what Leon Rose and company were going to do to try to add some scoring to this team. And unfortunately, it didn't work out the way I'm sure they thought it would, starting with the point guard situation. So, Begley, what do you think their goal is this year? Well, I know before the trade deadline, they had their eyes on Jalen Brunson of the Mavs. There's so many Nick connections with Jalen, starting with his dad, Rick Brunson, who was a Nick and a client of current team president Leon Rose. Uh, also, Rick coached with Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau has sung Jalen Brunson's praises in the past, and he was on their radar again ahead of the, the trade deadline. I don't have any reason to think that he's off their radar. So I would think that they take a look there and see what it might take to get Brunson out of Dallas. I think the Mavs have a number that they'd be comfortable going to, uh, to re-sign Brunson, and maybe the Knicks can make something happen there. Uh, but also, you know, internally, Emmanuel quickly played really well, uh, by and large, the second half of the season, particularly late in the year. So I think he gave the Knicks something to think about in terms of uh, the lead guard position. And then you hope, you know, Derrick Rose is back and healthy because he was such an integral part of the team last uh, season before he got hurt and then the year prior. So that's kind of how I look at the point guard situation. Can they make something happen with Brunson? Um, are there other candidates to maybe pull off a trade with? And it, do they look at the internal development of quickly and see him as somebody who can take on a bigger role? Now, Ian, you've seen a lot of basketball in your life and I love what IQ was, brings to the table, Emmanuel quickly. But for me, I think he goes a little more side-to-side side than driving to the basket, which you kind of want your point guard to do specifically so he can drive, draw the defense, and, and kick out. Uh, is that something that they will continue to work with him on? You know, Larry, he, I think certainly they will continue to work with him on, on all facets of being a lead guard. It's something that he grew more comfortable with over the course of the season. You look at him. Early on, he was kind of up and down, a little bit inconsistent with the on-court results, and, and he really made a big jump over the course of the year um, as a ball handler and as somebody who would initiate the offense. Now, I, I think that there are, are people who would agree with you when you say you know, you're not sure if he's that traditional one, traditional lead guard. Um, I think there would probably be a healthy debate among NBA executives about that with Emmanuel Quickly in his future. Uh, but nonetheless, I think he gave the Knicks something to think about just with regards to an increased role for him next season, increased minutes, whether it's at the one or the two. Do you have to find room for him to give him more time on the court based on what you saw from him the second half of the year? And in turn, how does that impact what you do this offseason, how you proceed this offseason? Yeah, that's a great point. Ian Begley's my guest, SMY Insider, Basketball Insider. You're listening to the Larry Hardesty Show on Mother's Day on 98.7 ESPN and the all-new ESPN New York app. Ian Begley, Obi Toppin, I thought, as minutes came, played much better, and you started to see what he brings to the table. Is he what? What's going to happen with him when Cam Reddish returns? Is Cam Reddish part of this team? Is he brought in to be a trade asset. I mean, what? where does this front court line up? And then I'll get to Julius Randle in a second. Great question about Cam Reddish, Larry. He's kind of the forgotten figure in all this when you talk about the Nick offseason because he did get hurt. Uh, obviously, Nick's trade for him, he doesn't play that much initially, plays a little bit more after some injuries, and he is eligible for an extension this offseason. 
I, I'd be surprised if the Knicks and Cam Reddish came together and, and got an extension done in the offseason. But you talk about him being a potential trade target. You know, there were several teams interested in him at the trade deadline, particularly the Lakers. And I, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if teams continued to poke around uh, uh, potential trades involving Reddish, seeing how interested the Knicks were in moving him. I would assume the Knicks would prefer to hold on to Reddish and to see what they have there. But, you know, I have to think that if a team comes and makes a call, makes an offer they can't refuse involving Cam Reddish, you know, they would have to think long and hard about it. And usually the deals that get discussed, discussed at the deadline that, that don't make it to the finish line, you know, sometimes those conversations pick up in the off season. So, you know, you look at the Lakers and you look at the other teams that had significant interest in Reddish, I would expect them to continue to, again, just take the next temperature on a potential Reddish deal and, and how the Knicks are feeling about that as you enter this offseason. And what do you see in the future for Obi Toppin? Has he earned more minutes? Is is he the answer if indeed Julius Randle stays, Ian, that you could maybe cut Randle's minutes down and give Toppin some more minutes where Randle's not playing 35, 40 minutes a night? You know, I asked Tom Thibodeau after the final game of the season if Toppin had earned a bigger role. And his answer, it wasn't a direct answer, but he basically said that, yes, what Toppin had done, um, you know, he he had earned a bigger role, bigger minutes. So I, I think you could pencil Obi Toppin in for more minutes uh, next season on a per-game basis. Uh, and I wonder what that means for Julius Randle because, yeah, best-case scenario, Larry, the Knicks figure out a way to maximize both Toppin and Randall on the roster. And maybe that's playing Randall fewer minutes, giving Toppin more minutes, and maybe it all works out. Uh, but you just wonder, big picture, if you are your Julius Randall's your guy and, and Obi Toppin is a player that, that you're heavily invested in, you know, can you make, can you get the most out of both of those guys uh, over the course of an 82 game season? Maybe the answer is yes. If the answer is no, Knicks have to figure out what to do there in terms of, Randall's future, Toppin's future, uh, one or the other. And I know that, you know, after they had drafted Toppin way back in 2020, um, teams had felt that Randall was available via trade entering the 2020-21 season. Obviously, Randall goes on to have an all-NBA season that year, and then the Knicks signed him to an extension, and, and, and here we are. But that at least tells you a little bit about uh, what the Knicks may have been thinking when they drafted Toppin in terms of Randall's future. And what happened to Julius Randle last year? Was it just one of those years? Was was the previous year an outlier year for him? Was it that he wasn't comfortable with the new players surrounding him? Did did R.J. Barrett take the ball out of his hands? I mean, the speculation is endless. <laughs> it really, really. I mean, you could, Larry, you, you could come up with, you know, 12 more reasons about why, what happened to Julius and why did it happen? And it all would seem plausible. I mean, I think that, Part of it was with Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier and Julius Randle, it just didn't come together early on last season the way the Knicks had hoped. Obviously, they start 5-1 and one and, and things look good, but you, they never those three together never seemed to, to get the kind of rhythm excuse me, going that, that New York had hoped when they signed Fournier and Walker. It just didn't come together, so I think that was one factor. The other factor was Randall shot it so well last year, all, uh, excuse me, two years ago, all year, from the mid-range, from the perimeter, and his percentages were down across the board. And that's, to me, the, the biggest part of why it, his season wasn't the way it, it, everybody 
what the Knicks wanted it to be because the shooting wasn't there. I mean, and, and that Leon Rose hinted at the idea that, you know, Julius, an emotional player, maybe sometimes his emotions got the best of him. He was carrying a big burden. Uh, Rose said that in an interview on MSG Network. So that tells you that even the team was aware of it being more than maybe just uh, everything going on in the basketball court for Randall. Maybe there's something beyond the basketball court that was impacting him, whether it was um, the the role or, or something else. I mean, it just – so there's so many different factors in play. That The one thing that, that I think – you can count on uh, if you're a Nick fan and you're looking at this Randall situation, the guy's a worker. So, you know, I think that you saw him from last off season to this off season to the, the two off seasons prior, he's put the work in to improve. So I think you can count on him uh, putting the work in. And if he's in New York next season, um, maybe you see improvement based on that work, but he's a professional when it comes to his off seasons and how he approaches them. So you can be sure that he's at least uh, working, giving it everything he has to come back and have a better year next year. Ian, it's almost like he never recovered from the Atlanta series in the postseason. That's right, Larry. Larry, I mean, you hit something. You hit it on the head because the way Atlanta played him, it seemed like defenses not followed the script uh, specifically to the way Atlanta did it, but just gave him that much attention uh, early on in the year, throughout the year, and didn't let him get comfortable. And I think Atlanta uh, may have given teams uh, not a specific blueprint, but just the way to to pay attention to Randall and to get him out of rhythm. And he saw a lot of attention all year from defenses, and it became a thing where the prior season he was able to get off the ball and find open teammates and the teammates knock down shots. The, The offense never seemed to get in that rhythm this year, whether it was Randall's, issue or whether it was te- his teammates issue that the chemistry wasn't there as it was the prior season ian begley sny basketball insider is my guest you'll listen to the larry hardesty show on 98.7 espn a couple more on the next ian um what are they going to do with center mitchell robinson i mean he played well but he was limited oh seemed like he was always injured uh Nerlens noel hardly played this season uh do they want him back what, what what do you think they'll do as far as uh, the center position is concerned? You know, Mitchell Robinson, uh, it's pretty obvious to me at least that he wants to test unrestricted free agency. The Knicks and Mitchell Robinson could extend his contract, agree to a contract extension at any point up until the start of free agency. So they still have that avenue to pursue with Robinson. You know, I was told that at one point in the course of the season around the trade deadline, prior to the trade deadline, the Knicks and Robinson side were not close as far as an extension goes. So, you know, that tells you a little bit about where they had been in the negotiating process. And I think there's going to be several teams with strong interest in Robinson if he does hit unrestricted free agency. And then all bets are off. So I I wouldn't be surprised if Robinson ended up on another team next year. But if, if, if that does happen, to me, the Knicks would need to pull off a sign and trade uh, because losing Robinson for nothing would be a uh, not a, not an optimal way to to uh, deal with your assets to to play the cards that you have. And then you talk about Nerlens Noel, very very injury prone year um, this past season. I wouldn't be surprised if teams called the Knicks on Nerlens Noel, and, and the Knicks had discussions with teams uh, about potential trades involving Noel. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, can't predict if anything is going to happen or not going to happen there. But I, I would assume that conversations are going to be had. And then 
Jericho Sims came on mm-hmm. and played pretty nicely for the Knicks in, in big minutes, second half of the year. I don't think he, you know, established himself as a starting center if the Knicks were going to lose Robinson and Noel. But he at the very least showed New York that uh, he can, uh, he has a future as a, a solid rotation player in, in the immediate future. And for them to have a player like that, the 58th pick in the draft, that's uh, not a bad thing. Nope, it's not. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, what are the chances, Ian? My audience is waiting for me to ask you this question. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Mitchell himself said he's going to take some time to kind of assess, um, you know, his, his how he feels about the future with Utah. He does feel that he will be uh, with the Jazz for the future, but, you know, things are uncertain right now. Given how things played out in the playoffs, given Danny Age being now the top advisor over there, the top basketball decision maker with the Jazz, uh, and then, so, listen, if Donovan Mitchell uh, decides that he wants to be traded from Utah, I think he's going to have to publicly declare it or tell the Jazz that you have to trade me and make it uncomfortable for Utah uh, in a way that, you know, doesn't seem to align with uh, Ma- uh, Mitchell's personality, at least in terms of how people know him uh, since he's been in the league. So I think he would have to make things uncomfortable to, to force his way out of Utah. And then if you're the Jazz, do the Knicks put together the best package uh, for a Donovan Mitchell trade? Are there other teams like the Miami Heat that they put together a better package for a Donovan Mitchell trade? You know, those are the questions that you would have to ask yourself if you're Utah and if Donovan Mitchell uh, decides to ask for a trade. The interesting in Utah, though, is the Rudy Gobert situation. You know, mm-hmm. if the Jazz decide, okay, let's blow it up, then Gobert uh, is a player that a lot of teams are going to be calling Utah on, and, and for obvious reasons, a fantastic defender. If Gobert were to move on and, and get dealt, then does Utah then see Mitchell Robinson as a player that, you know, they'd be interested in a side-and-trade piece, as a side-and-trade uh, acquisition, and, and how might that play into any Mitchell uh, trade negotiations? Again, these are all issues where we're several, several dominoes from having to even talk about, but they're they're there because of the nature of, what happened with the Jazz this season and the nature of the league and the way people are keeping an eye on Utah and what may or may not happen there. Ian Begley, I got two quick hitters for you because I love sitting here talking to you, but my my, my, my producers are like jumping up and, they, up and down like they're going to take off in a helicopter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts on Kyrie Irving and the Nets. Uh, obviously, what goes on for the future? Are they going to ask for another head coach? Is, is Steve Nass safe? What What are your thoughts on that, real quick? All indications uh, as the year was ending, even in the middle of that playoff series and at the end of it, were that Steve Nash would be back if he wanted to be back. I mean, Kevin Durant publicly endorsed him. So I don't see Steve Nash not being the head coach the start of next season. Kyrie Irving, I don't think the Nets have a choice. I think they have to figure out a way to re-sign him. It's just about the length of the contract and the, the, the commitment that they make there. But you have to bring him back in the short term, given where you are in the team-building process. So uh, a lot of questions over there for the Nets, starting with uh, Irving and, and Ben Simmons. Yeah, Ben Simmons with a back operation earlier earlier in, in the week, last week. And one one quick one for you. James Harden, what is Philly going to do with him, Ian? He, I know he's got a player option. I mean, what do you do? He is not the same Jeez. player. No, and the thought going into that trade was, you know, he signs that big $200 million-plus extension with the Sixers. But Dow Moore is in a tough spot because 
you know, his the thing for Darren Morey was to acquire James Harden uh, since Morey took over in Philly. The idea was to put him with Embiid and win titles. And now you're looking at Harden being a step slower. Maybe, you know, the hamstring, maybe it, it heals in a way. What we saw with Chris Paul, the hamstring injury really slowing him down and then him coming back the subsequent season and, and looking like himself again. Maybe that happens with Harden. If it doesn't, though, Philly's in a really tough spot with how they approach the negotiations. You don't want to get saddled with a $200 million contract for a player who can't move like you used to move anymore. That's how you lose your job in this league and, and lose it quickly. So tough decisions ahead for Daryl Morey in Philadelphia. No question about it. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the type of answers you'll find when you catch up with Ian Begley. SNY.TV for the putback is on hiatus now, but as the draft lottery comes and the NBA draft in June, they'll be firing it up. Ian, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Always great hearing from you. Tuesday edition of the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN and the all-new ESPN New York app. We're here until 3. Then we begin our coverage of the NBA playoffs, Suns and Mavericks. That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, so we'll hear, you'll hear that right here on 98.7 ESPN. Um, Shurs are having some issues. Phillies leading 3-0 as they continue to bat in the fourth. Um, and now Kyle Schwarber's at bat. Oh, my God. We're runners at first and second. Phillies should be up 4-0. They ran themselves poorly on the base pass, ran themselves out of another run. Now, Shurs are with 75 pitches in three and two-thirds innings. That's um, it's not what you want. Not what you want. Uh, Rangers have just gotten uh, a single, so now they've got runners at first and third and uh, against Garrett Cole in the Bronx. First game of doubleheaders for both teams. Talk to you on the phones. Talk a little next. A lot of you want to talk about the orange and blue, so let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Let's roll to Freddie in Baltimore. Hey, Freddie, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's up, Larry? How you doing? I'm doing great, Freddie. What's happening, my friend? Hey, hey, first of all, um, uh, I was, you was talking about 20 and 10 with Julius, yeah. you know, and those stats, while they're great, if they help the team, they didn't help the Lakers. They didn't help the Pelicans with Julius. He's he stat chases. Number one, I don't have nothing against Julius personally, mm-hmm. but it doesn't help. You know, it doesn't help the Knicks. I, I believe in, in addition by subtraction, send Julius to Indiana. We get Malcolm Bragnett, Bragnett. Okay, mm-hmm. you um, bring him in, and, and number one, Bradman stays hurt, so he is just going to give our, our point guards is going to give quickly, and 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 um, and Deuce McBride a chance to play. But also, hold on, Freddie. Hold, hold, hold on, Freddie. I'll let you finish in a second. If we know that Bradman is, if we know he's hurt, do we really want him? If we know yeah, he's hurt. And, a lot? And, and, well, well, also, we're, we're going to look at that expiring contract. Because, really, I'm just trying to give it to Julius. You you want to bring somebody else in. Oh, we, we're trying to clear space, and we're trying to give it to that bad attitude. You, you you was talking about, you know, Julius, don't, he don't come back and play, play uh, run back on the defense. You was, talk, you, you was talking about ball movement. I've heard you talk to Wally after the Nick games about when Julius was sitting down and how the ball moved. I've heard you say it yourself. But what I'm saying, Freddie, is, okay, and and I got what you're saying about him being a stat chaser at 20 and 10. I agree with you. But, Freddie, uh, it's still 20 and 10. If I'm moving him, I got to replace that. Otherwise, I'm still not winning. 
You see what I'm saying? I'm look. still not winning. I still have to find. Thanks for the phone call. I still got to find a way to replace that production, whether it's fake production or whatever production it is. I still got to find a way to keep that going because now I'm looking. Do I have the talent? Do I have the talent right now on this team that I know I can get 20 and 10 from somebody else on this roster the way the way it's currently constructed? No. There's no guarantees of anybody else on this roster that I can get 20 and 10 from. Nobody. Okay, RJ will give me 20. I don't know if he's going to give me 20. I don't know if he's going to give me 10 rebounds. I don't know if he's going to give me seven, eight assists. So I need the production. So that's the issue I have. And to be honest with you, I'm a little concerned. I got enough with injured players. I got two. I had two centers on this club this year that couldn't. They probably were healthy in the same game, maybe Six times? Seven times the most? When Robinson and Noel could back up each other because they were both healthy? I, I don't need more injured players. <laughs> I don't. Emmanuel's in Flushing. Manny, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Manny. What's up? I'm good. Um, I want to discuss about the previous caller, prior to this previous caller, the, the caller that mentioned about patience. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think it's an expense. A part of us want to be patient, but at the same time, you know, you never know because you, you, the word we always hear the expression, you can't be patient forever. And, you know, as Knicks fans, we want to rebuild, and I do, but the times that we do rebuild, we don't do it the right way. I mean, look at the Sacramento Kings. Look, at, I mean, particularly Kings fans, yeah. they've been patient for 16 years and no <laughs> playoff appearances. Yeah. So I'm cautious when any time when, when, when I hear fans of the Knicks say, say, hey, patience, patience. But a part of me say, yeah, we could be patient, but for how long? Because you never know. What happened, What if, if, if Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett, God forbid, regress? So so, so, who's, so who's to blame? I mean, I mean who, who's the fault? Patience or, or, or nothing? So what's your answer, Manny? Uh, it sounds like you kind of want – you're patient, but you kind of want to see some movement. So – to bounce yeah. back from last season, what is best for you? Do you want to see what you get in the draft? Do you kind of want to, you know, maybe package some guys to try to get better, to hey. get another established player? Are you a, are you kind of like me where you want a mixture of veterans and young players? Of course. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's like that because I think it'll blend with anything because, you know, I think the Julius Randle part, I think people need to, need to miss that, like, when he had Reggie Bullock and um, Alfred Payton, he felt comfortable. I just don't think he was on, he was comfortable with 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 uh, with with Fournier and Walker because they didn't mm -hmm. bend that long. That's my mm -hmm. opinion. That's one of the reasons why he struggled. You might be right, Manny. Thanks for the phone call. And and it just seemed as though. And here's the other thing: they weren't. They didn't need the basketball as much. Does that make sense? I mean, Alfred Payton. Better defensive point guard, not really a scoring point guard, so you weren't worried about him needing the ball to score. Uh, Reggie Bullock uh, was really – I had, you know what, to be fair, you, we really haven't seen Reggie Bullock um, – we really haven't seen Reggie Bullock of the Knicks until maybe the past couple of games in, in Dallas in that series where you started to see more of the guy that he was with the Knicks last year. A year before last, rather. Yeah, year before last. Uh, because he was he was a different player with them. So 
Uh, yeah, he did miss them. There's no question about it. He he did miss that group. And I think that there was places where he wanted the ball and he didn't get the ball in those times. And so it made it a little uncomfortable. It did. But, you know, the problem is that there he didn't make any adjustments even after Walker didn't play. I mean, Walker didn't play for a long time. Tony's in the Bronx. Hey, Tony, you're next on 98.7. Larry, what's going on? How you doing today? I'm doing great, Tony. What's up, my friend? I'm doing great as well. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I brought this up on an issue yesterday, and I'm bringing this up with you here now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking in the last three years since the Durant early Irving invasion up in Brooklyn, compared mm-hmm. to what's been going on with the Mecca, the Knicks. Um, I want to ask you, get your thought on this. Maybe you can turn this to the whole show if you like. In the last three years, which team has been more aggressive? Has been more have made the better approach? Have made have been more aggressive in this town? Um, have made you know have been have advanced further in the last three years since Durant and Irving? Did you think the Nets or the Knicks have been? It's Brooklyn. Are you, are you sure about that? Oh, absolutely. They've because, got they, they, they've one, got they've okay, got playoff appearances to prove it. Well, let me ask. Okay, well, yeah, but you were so they've advanced were, farther. I hear you, but let me ask you this: They were expected to win the championship, and you got one playoff series out of it. Whereas with the Knicks, uh, I mean, we were to, yeah, they took a step back this year, no question. But last year, they had a playoff series from nowhere. And yeah, no but one Tony, you weren't even to close. To, but even last year, as a Knicks fan, you weren't even close to even thinking to the, the a conference final with the roster you had. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. By him. You weren't even close to a conference final. It's not even the it's not even the question. It's the Nets. They got better talent. They have better talent. They have they have two tremendous players and had a third. Now, have they had issues with it? Yes. Is their goal the fact that it's it's championship or bust? Yes, I understand that part as far as what you're saying. And have they they have fallen short of that? Absolutely. But they're a better team. They've made more moves. They've made better moves. The moves haven't worked out. This haven't worked out. So that's the issue. And even last year, like I said, the yeah, the Knicks made the playoffs out of the first round. 4-1. And then this year they take not one, but maybe two steps back. And even last year, they were, you know, they were not a true four seed last year. Now they are what they I'm not taking anything away from them. But that was not a four seeded team last year, roster-wise. And with the adjustments that were made in the league this year in the conference. They were an eighth seed at best if everything worked out. Mets losing to the Phillies 3-0 as the Phillies bat in the bottom of the fifth. Max Scherzer has been, um, this has been a struggle for Maxi today. This has been a struggle. But see, here's, here's the thing. When you have been, i get to the calls in a second because a bunch of you want to talk, and I'll get to you about the Knicks. Um, when you've had the type of uh, comeback that you had previously against the Phillies, right? Are you are you concerned? Now I'm not trying to say that you don't you you're you're happy you're down. No 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 no. It's not what I'm trying to say. But after scoring seven runs in one inning, you're kind of confident that you're not out of it. And clearly at three nothing, you're not out of it. And the fully a Phillies bullpen that's not exactly stellar. If, if Scherzer can hold them right here and you just chip away, you got a chance to win this. 
Yankees and the Rangers at the stadium. Rangers coming to bat in the top of the third off Garrett Cole. There's no score there. Let's talk to you on the phones. Rays and Queens. Ray, you're next on 98.7. Larry, how you doing? You, can you hear me? I hear you fine, Ray. What's happening? All right. Okay. Okay. With all due respect, I'm about to go on a rant. For all those New Yorkers that are telling us to be patient, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. First of all, we're in New York City. You could get from the east side of 42nd Street to the west side in two minutes by taking the shuttle train. You can get from borough to borough by taking a free bridge, but no, we take a tunnel. Why? Because we get there faster. I'm telling you, shut up with the patience. We're not going to get anywhere until we make amends with Patrick Ewing because we traded him. He's been with us since 85, and we traded him in what, 2000, right? Then we traded him. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, we got some bad luck against the Knicks. We got some juju on the Knicks. <laughs> and and the, the, player, the player that we need, we need the most electrifying player in basketball, Russell Westbrook. Do you smell oh. what the Russell's cooking? If he comes to New York, he may not. We're not looking to get him to win. We're looking to get him to electrify the other players because we need something. I'm tired. Why are we having a parade for one playoff win a couple years ago? I'm sorry. Ray, I know you're going on the rant. Hold on a second, Ray. Breathe. Breathe. Ray, Ray. Sorry. Woosa. Woosa. I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying. I hear you. Ray, a couple of things. A couple of things, Ray. Ray, a couple of things. couple of things, Ray. First of all, Okay. If you're driving, it takes you about 40, 30 to 45 minutes to go from the east side to the west side. <laughs> you need patience. All right? That's number one. Number two, the, I would agree with you about Russell Westbrook if it was the Russell Westbrook that was in OKC. This version of Russell Westbrook, Ray, I don't, I don't think I want him. With all due respect, from the guy that I saw play the past two seasons, I don't know if I want that Russell Westbrook at $44, $45 million, Ray? $45 million? Well, look, Come on, Ray. We probably, we're still paying Allie Houston. We're still paying him. Yeah, but he's working. He's in the front office. He's a he's, a, he's an assistant GM. He's working for his money. Well, well, well he needs to work a little harder because we, 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 I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of losing, Larry. Are you saying – I haven't seen the Knicks win since I was in high school, and I'm 42. And I'm 42, Larry. Come on. We, we, can't, we can't keep the, – we're the mecca. That's like people going okay, to – Okay, so, so Ray, you're telling me that – I hear you, Ray. Ray, I hear you. So you're telling me that we get Russell Westbrook, we're going to the NBA Finals? No, we're not going to the NBA Finals. But Where we're going to electrify some other players, and who knows what we can get out of that. Because we can't draft. How many times we had we had injured players? We got Penny after the prime. We got Baron Davis after the prime. How many? Well, well, well look at this. How many players we're gonna have after they prime? And then we go, oh, we got, we got. Look, you wanna know something crazy? Every player mm-hmm. that that what's the name? What's 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 the GM we had that that took a seven year contract work did five, Phil. Every player that yeah. Phil got rid of got a ring. Think about it and went to the playoffs. Every play, every every player, player that Phil, Phil got, got rid of, of uh, playoffs. Really. Got a ring? From the Knicks went to the playoffs. Yeah, at least three of them. Porzingis? At least three or four of them. I think, well, no, see, Porzingis, that's a new set. He didn't want to be here, first of all. We shouldn't have got him. Um, we shouldn't have got him, first of all. But look, come on, come on, come on, Larry. Are we, are we thinking this is New York? Well, no, Ray, Ray listen, and thanks for the phone call, man. I love your passion, Ray. I love your passion. Thanks for the phone call. No, we won the championship. There's no question we won the championship. Of course they won the championship. They're not in this to lose intentionally even though it looks that way. <laughs> They're not in this to lose intentionally. They're trying to do the best they can, and they figured out they're trying to get the best players. This is a different regime, and I will grant you, 
last year was not good. They have a lot to do to get back. A lot to do. Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? You're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Artie. I'm What's up, my friend? I think I'm continuing that talk because, Go. you know, as a Met, as a Nick fan, as a Jet fan, they, they're there. And I'm not ready to say that the GM's bad because we're not in the championship. But sometimes you got to make that move. Mm-hmm. The Rams made a move and traded and, and traded Goff, who was their first choice, because they right. didn't think that he was good enough. And they went for a guy that was a two-, three-year guy and went for it, and they won. Mm-hmm. It paid off. Maybe it wouldn't have paid off. The, the Tampa Bay Bucks, same thing. They went after, okay, the all-time great. But, you know, Brady wasn't like the top three quarterback. They won the Super Bowl because they, had, they, they made the move. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks could get Donovan Mitchell, I think, but they're going to have to give up Barrett in that. And it's a tough choice. A lot mm-hmm. of Nick fans don't want to see that. They want to develop. But you know what? You need superstars to win. And if they get Mitchell, they, and if they have to get rid of Barrett and, and who else, they're the young guys, I would go for it. And the mm-hmm. same thing with the Jets. I made the call for Baker, Baker Mayfield. They right. don't have to give up a top pick for him. You're saying that's not how you develop. They got all their money in Wilson. Listen, next year, Wilson could show that he's good enough, but not good enough to get you where you want to go. And then it's going to be too late to get Mayfield. It's good. You're going to have to go give up number one picks and get somebody. I don't know. Maybe you could get Aaron Rodgers for a number, three number ones. I don't know if you can. But mm-hmm. make Baker stand. He's waiting for you to take him. I mean, when you're worried about, worried about um, Zach Wilson's feelings, you don't owe him nothing. If he's not good enough to take the job away from Baker Mayfield, then so be it. Sit on the bench and wait till he gets there. That's just my opinion. I think the same thing with the Mets. Okay? Yeah, they're good enough. They made moves. They spent money. But you know what? They got one top-of-the-line guy in Scherzer. They didn't – Marte is a good player. Escobar is a good player. They didn't go out and get Bryant. They didn't go out and get Springer. They didn't go out and get Mulder. Now they have to make moves. In the, they're not good enough to win the World Series. Can they? Yeah. They gotta win it like the Dallas Mavericks won the, uh, the championship, like that. Right now, tell me, are the Mets better than the Braves and the Dodgers? Tell me. I don't think they're better than the Dodgers, Artie. Thanks for the phone call. I think they potentially could be better than Atlanta because I think the pitching is better than Atlanta. If if I can get, and this is a big if, grant you, if I can get Degrom back, and I've got Degrom and Scherzer to begin a short series. I think I'm in pretty good shape. I think I'll take my chances. Okay? I think I'll take my chances. And this is shaping up. Now, I don't know how it's going to turn out. And listen, I wanted Springer like you wanted Springer as a Met fan. Okay? But I think sometimes, sometimes, the better team wins without necessarily having an incredible player at every position. Sometimes the better team wins where guys are staggered with their abilities. Okay, sometimes it happens. Sometimes. So for me, as far as the Mets are concerned, you know, that's where I stand. Uh, Jets and Baker Mayfield, listen, I hear what you're saying. There's, I don't see how if Baker Mayfield comes, if the Jets go out and get Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield is the starter on this team. It's not Zach Wilson. He's better than Zach Wilson. He's already better. He's got more experience. He's been through the ringer. He understands. 
Okay, last year, you know, he was affected by playing and coming back too soon from an injury. My opinion, give him credit for going out there. But he didn't need to go out there. If he wasn't, if you're injured, you don't play. If you're hurt, okay, you negotiate it. I think he was injured when he played, and it affected his play, and it affected how the team played and performed. And I don't know that Cleveland, and I hear what you're saying about him, but Cleveland, from from all, all, all that I'm hearing, a number of people called them to try to move Baker Mayfield. But they want them to pick up a substantial amount of his contract this year, and right now, they're not willing to do it. And if they didn't do it with the opportunity of picking up some draft choices, I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't know what they're going to do with it. It's going to be very curious to see. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.